Welcome, this is Jeremy Shackford with the WFR Podcast, and we're here today with Dr. Trent Langhofer, who is going to be sharing with us the first lesson in a series called Holy Sexuality. Trent, why don't you share with us? Thanks, Jeremy. It's an honor to get the opportunity to share with your listeners today. So thankful for White's Road Church. Uh, thankful that they stand for truth, uh, but uh, truth in the context of what is biblically good and right and true, which is absolute truth. Also, truth that comes in the form of uh, grace and and kindness. Uh, it's it's the most kind, loving, graceful thing that we can do to an individual to teach them truth that there is a right way in which a man should live, and that if we'll walk that pathway, we will be granted. Uh, what the scriptures teach uh, will be fruitful in life, experiencing love, joy, peace, patience, uh, gentleness, goodness, uh, faithfulness, and self-control, but will also uh, live a life that's meaningful, that's satisfying, that's authentically satisfying, and that is uh, filled with a sense of purpose and peace. That's what... Uh, we've been created for. It's what we're going to teach at White's Ferry Road Church, and I'm honored to have the opportunity to be a part. Uh, a few months ago, I had the opportunity to teach some of this material uh, at our church in uh, Bible class, and my hope is that this will provide listeners um, with some information that they can use to engage our culture uh, in a way that's filled with grace, but also doesn't back down from truth. And our culture is just experiencing a significant, a significant amount of transformation, especially sexually. And as a church and as the wider church nation and worldwide, uh, we cannot put our heads in the sand. We absolutely have to be educated on what the Bible teaches us about healthy biblical sexuality. And we need to model that in our lives, uh, but we also need the opportunity, when given the opportunity, um, to, to have something to say to people who have questions or to people who may be in living, to people who may be living in ways that uh, are destructive and ultimately living in any uh, way outside of uh, what the scriptures teach will lead us to destruction. And we got to love people enough to become educated so that we can encourage them in ways that will promote uh, life. I, I want to start uh, this podcast series out of the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 31, the Bible records that God saw all that he had made and that it was very good. There was evening and there was morning the sixth day. One reason I like to start here when I'm talking about sexuality is it gives us the sense that God, the creator of heaven and earth, designed man in his image. And when God looks at man, he sees the need to develop a counterpart. And God designs woman, the perfect counterpart for man. And God designed men and women in such a way that they fit together spiritually, emotionally, and physically. And when he sees that man and woman have been designed in his image as perfect counterparts for one another, he looks at what he's made and says that it's very good. Sexuality designed by is designed by God is part of God's grand plan and when sexuality functions the way God has designed it to function it is such a good thing. 
when sexuality functions contrary to the way that God has created it, it's not a good thing. And as a doctorate level clinician with a decade, nearly a decade of experience treating individuals, couples, and families, one of the most profound uh, sources of pain in the individuals and families I treat is in the area of sexuality. Um, sexual experience, sexual trauma, um, sexual behavior that is contrary to the teaching of Scripture is an immense source of pain, can be an immense source of confusion and uncertainty, and it can be easy to just assume, uh, man, sexuality is bad, or sexuality is wrong, or uh, I just have to have to be guarded and cautious about who I describe my sexuality to, or those kinds of things, and, and none of those are true necessarily. Sexuality is designed by God. Sexuality is a good thing when it functions the way God designed it to function and adds such a significant um, level of satisfaction and meaning to life. So I don't want to back down in churches uh, from reclaiming sexuality as God's and as a biblical thing that is gratifying and satisfying and part of God's design that, that promotes an overall sense of connection and meaning and satisfaction in life. Um, when we are talking about sexuality, um, ultimately what, what, what I'm meaning is that the gift of sexuality is good but it's been perverted as a consequence of our fallenness. We can, as a church, recover God's design, and we will see that it is very good. Sometimes when I'm teaching a class, I'll give our class the uh, op- opportunity to see, uh, in the form of illustrations, how our sexual culture has changed over time. And so following this podcast, if you want to do some uh, quick research, uh, it, it won't take you very long to research a name. And the name is Annette Kellerman. And in 1908, Annette Kellerman was arrested on a Boston beach for indecent exposure. Uh, at that moment in time, she was arrested for indecent exposure because her swimsuit showed arms, legs, and the neck. Uh, it was similar to swimsuits in Europe at the time, and uh, she was obligated to change the suit to have long arms and legs and a collar uh, as a result of her uh, arrest. So that's 1908, and then I, I, t- I show our class a picture of you know women being arrested because their swimsuits showed too much leg or arm and then um in 2015 the white house of the united states of america was lit up with the colors of the rainbow which is an lgbtq symbol and that happened in um if i'm looking at this date correctly that would have been june uh, 26th, Friday, June 26th of 2015, when the Supreme Court, uh, ruled that states cannot ban, uh, same-sex marriage. So, in 1908, people are getting arrested, women are getting arrested on beaches because their swimsuits, uh, don't cover their ankles, wrists, and neck. And approximately a hundred years later, the highest, uh, 
recognized house in the land, the White House, uh, is lit up with rainbow colors commemorating uh, the ruling that the courts cannot, uh, that state court, that states cannot ban same-sex marriage. That's a huge. It's a, it's an enormous transformation that's happened over the last hundred years. Uh, what that means is that things are changing. Yeah, what that means is our culture is shifting, and we as a church ha- have to be aware of it, and we have to be mindful of what's going on. There, there is certainly an agenda uh, to transform sexuality in our nation and across the world, and to be educated and know the truth, and to engage culture full of grace in a way that doesn't back down from truth is critical. Let me give you a couple of statistics in terms of where we were, we are at today that will help further illustrate uh, some of these ideas. The first is that one in five mobile searches from cellular phones or other mobile devices are for pornography. Uh, 28,258 users are watching pornography every second. Uh, sex-related entertainment was a $13 billion industry in 2006. 45 million photos and videos of child abuse were online as of 2016. According to a national survey of more than 30,000 Americans, those who view sexual activity between two adults of the same sex as being not wrong at all increased from 13% in 1990 to 49% in 2014. The shift was greater for adults under the age of 30, with the proportion rising from 15% in 1990 to 63% in 2014. Uh, This should demonstrate that there is a dramatic undercurrent of sexuality um, happening right under the noses of many parents and and organizations. Let me give you another uh, statistic. The number of people reporting that they themselves have had at least one sexual partner of the same sex since they were 18 has increased in the last uh, few years, starting in 2010. Uh, let me give you the figure for men first. For men, the figure went from 4.5% to 8.5%, and for women, it increased from 3.5% to 8.7% between the two time periods of 1989 to 94 and 2010 to 2014. Sexuality is changing significantly. Further statistic analyses of broadcast media content indicate that on average, teenaged viewers see 143 incidents of sexual behavior on network television at prime time each week with portrayals of three to four times as many sexual activities occurring between unmarried partners as between spouses. As much as 80% of all movies shown on network or cable television stations have sexual content. Let, Let me say something about this, okay? First, teenaged viewers are the most impressionable audience of primetime television, number one. Number two, those teenage viewers are seeing 143 incidents of sexual behavior each week if they're watching primetime television. 
And number three, I've said primetime television a handful of times already. They're not having to stay up till midnight or 1 or 2 a.m. to see such a quantity of sexual activity. This is right in the middle of an evening watching TV with a family. Uh, furthermore, that same population sees some sexual activity in 80% of all the movies they're watching on network television. And of all of that, many more times uh, more frequently, uh, three to four times more frequently, are those teenagers seeing sexual activities occurring between unmarried partners as between spouses. So, so again, we are seeing uh, uh, our culture absolutely saturate um, us with sexual content, uh, sexual agenda, sexual innuendo, and and have to be aware of this. Let me give you uh, one other statistic. Um, an analysis of music videos indicates that 60% portray sexual feelings and impulses, and a substantial minority display provocative clothing and sexually suggestive body movements. Ten analyses of media content also show that sexual messages on television are almost universally presented in a positive light with little discussion of the potential risks of unprotected sexual intercourse and few portrayals of adverse consequences. Uh, I, I will probably talk with Jeremy about posting the sources for some of these uh, statistics online just so you can access them. That last one's from the Western Journal of Medicine, uh, published in the year 2000. And um, we've uh, archives of sexual behavior published in 2016. I've referenced so these are these are uh, easily accessible statistics. We'll provide you with uh, those those sources so that you guys have access to those. Let's go to Psalm chapter 106, verses 35 through 37. How in the world did we get here? How did we find ourselves in the midst of a culture so sexually saturated and suggestive that is so teaching relationships to be very casual, sexuality to be very casual, that is so minimizing the consequences of casual sexual behavior outside of marriage, um, that propagates uh, any and all varieties of sexuality as permissible? How did we get here? Psalm 106, 35 and 37, through 37 gives us a little bit of a sense of how, uh, people can be led into, uh, thinking and behaving in ways that are contrary to biblical doctrine, sinful and destructive. Starting in verse 35, the Bible says, but they mingled with the nations and adopted their customs. They worshiped their idols, which became a snare to them. They sacrificed their sons and their daughters to false gods. They shed innocent blood, the blood of their sons and daughters whom they sacrificed to the idols of Canaan. And the land was desecrated by their blood. What's happening here is the chosen people of God, the nation of Israel, has completely allowed their boundaries to get breached. And not only have they allowed their boundaries to get breached, they have begun adapting and adopting to the customs and practices of the culture around them. 
As a result, they begin doing the things that the culture around them does up to the point that they're sacrificing their own children the way the pagan cultures surrounding them do. It would have been unimaginable years before this is written to tell the Israelite people, the chosen people of God, that they would do identically the same kinds of things as the pagan nations around them. But when your boundaries are sacrificed and you allow yourself to get immersed in culture, culture begins to immerse itself in you. As a result, the Israelites became indistinguishable from the land around them. And and the the reality of the situation further is illustrated in the New Testament in the book of Romans. Let me give you a couple of scriptures starting in Romans chapter 1 verse 22. The Bible records, although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore, God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator who is forever praised. Amen. The same phenomenon is happening here in the New Testament. It's just in a different setting. God's people are exchanging the glory of the immortal God for the things culture is offering that they claim will promote and provide the same level of satisfaction. That's a lie. And what we see is that the more these individuals in Romans chapter 1 give themselves over to cultural influence, the more they exchange the truth of God for a lie, the more they worship and serve the created things rather than the creator, the more destructive and the more depressed, the more downtrodden and the more desperate they become. The Bible is true. What the Bible teaches is right. What the Bible teaches is good. If we follow biblical teaching on sexuality, our sexual behavior, our sexual views, um, our sexual tendencies will be good and right and true. And we'll find ultimately complete satisfaction. Let me give you a sense of where biblical sexuality starts. And... um We'll pause this podcast then as we've laid the foundation for the fact that our culture is in a desperate place sexually, is in need of the truth of God, and that truth has to be delivered uh, in, in the capacity of grace. It's going to be received, and we got to live it out as Christians and show the world that there is so much satisfaction to be had in living the way God designed us to live. Uh, biblical sexuality starts out with true love. That's 1 Corinthians 13. I'm going to read verses 4 through 8. Hopefully you'll know this. The Bible says, Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It's not proud. It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. Love never fails. Most people will stop there, but I want to go back. I want to go forward in the text to verse 11. And the Bible says, When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. 
For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And it's that phrase, fully known, that to me is where biblical sexuality and all sexuality has to start if it's truly going to promote satisfaction in the emotional, in the physical, and in the spiritual realm. First, we must be fully known by God. we got to totally open our hearts and completely surrender to Him, uh, repenting of sin, um, confessing that sin, believing in the gospel, and being baptized into the Lord Jesus Christ. As we have been cleansed from unrighteousness and been clothed with Christ, we can begin a healthy journey into our sexuality. And that necessarily means we begin to fully know another human being. Uh, Healthy sexuality doesn't start with sex. It starts with a very deep spiritual connection with another person uh, that progresses into a deep emotional connection with that other person that ultimately progresses into the covenant of marriage with that other individual and allows us, through the intimacy we've already created spiritually and emotionally, to begin to weave together our bodies physically in the context of marriage into a sexual relationship. If we'll follow that pathway, we'll find satisfaction, meaning, and purpose, and peace. It's what God teaches. It's what we teach at White's Ferry Road. It's what we have to teach our culture. And if we deliver that message with grace, we'll be agents of transformation in a world that definitely needs it. God bless you. Thank you, Trent, for that amazing introduction into this topic of holy sexuality. And, of course, if you have any questions, you can reach out to us at info at wfrchurch.org. And be with us next time for Lesson 2 in Holy Sexuality. Thank you and have a good day.